Hi, I'm Chanel, agency owner, marketing coach, speaker, and your official human sunshine. I've been in marketing since 2009 and have run a successful strategy and content marketing agency since 2018. Jaded by my corporate life, I quit my job to travel the world and start my own business. I've learned so much in my business journey and I want to share it with you. The Sunshine Podcast for Women in Business offers marketing advice for industry professionals and inspiring stories for women netting life and business. If you love the podcast, please subscribe and share with someone who would enjoy it too. But for now, sit back, relax and enjoy your daily dose of sunshine. Hello, hello, everybody. I'm delighted to welcome our lovely guests, Megan and Mandy. So Megan Potter is a South Australian cosmetic company founded by two cousins who you're seeing here, Megan and Mandy, and they specialize in gorgeous certified organic skincare, hair care and mineral makeup. And of course, all of their products are cruelty-free and vegan. So I was lucky enough to meet um, these lovely ladies through SA Woman, which you may or may not know about. If you don't know about them, definitely check them out. And um, came across their products, and they're absolutely remarkable. The branding is beautiful. The products are great. And I just said, I have to get you guys on Linky Talks to just talk about your journey and find out more about everything that you're doing because it's it's so inspiring and they've built this incredible brand and so I'm very excited to talk to you today thank you so much for being here to chat to me wow what an intro that was really lovely thank you we sound great we do sound great (laughs) thank you for having us well well you are great and it's a delight to have you so um I've got so many questions but I guess I'll start with asking you guys just tell me about the business like at what point did you just sort of go, we're going to create this bloody awesome epic line of beauty products? Like, what are your backgrounds and how did the business come to be? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm a beauty therapist and I've been a beauty therapist about 15 years and I've jumped in and out of the industry, uh, you know, throughout my life. But I was at home with my second child who was four months old on maternity leave and Mandy popped over to visit me. This is when we were both living in Brisbane and said, I've got an idea. Yeah, she said, I've got an idea. Mandy's got a business background. She's got an MBA. Um, So she said, let's start a beauty brand. And I thought, well, how hard can it be? Turns out it's pretty hard, actually. But um, I've got the beauty knowledge, beauty background. Mandy loves beauty as well, but she's got all the business skills. So together we're like quite the yin and the yang. We had... um, yeah, we both brought different things to the party. And, and we started very small. We started really small. We had four products. Yeah, mineral makeup we started with. And we were running it from Mandy's study, essentially. Mm, and kitchen. And kitchen. All the best businesses start from like a bedroom or a kitchen. So, yes. you, know, you know, it's going well when it starts there. <laughs> and then we just sort of like kept encroaching your house space growing into another room and another room and then part of your kids playroom and living area and then we had to hire a storage facility to house all these um, bottles that we bought empty bottles ready for yeah and and now we're in a warehouse on south road at st mary's um so yeah it's just so of- straight so we both we both moved 12 months apart but ended mm-hmm. up back where we originated we're both originally from here yeah so mm-hmm. both ended up back in south Australia. Yeah. And your warehouse is incredible. Like, it's super, super impressive. And you must be so proud when you drive up and you see the big sign there. Like, it's, you know, going from doing it in your kitchen or in the, the study to there is, is amazing. And, I mean, yeah. like, was the growth quite organic? Like, um, 
or did it sort of just take off on its own? Like, did you have this big plan to make it as big as it has become? Or did you find that it, it just happened organically? I think in some way that we, if, if we sort of gotten bigger than what we wanted at one point. Yeah, because we initially, you know, we we're both mums with kids at school and when Megan's kids weren't quite at school, I said, you're about to find out how hard it is to juggle work and all the commitments that come with drop off and pick up and then you get the phone call, your kid's sick and you're the one that has to drop everything and come and pick them up. So yeah, we really were looking to create like work that we loved but also that fitted in with um, family life and being a mum and that balance. And, yeah, so it's sort of grown a little bit bigger than that now. But to answer your question, it sort of was organically. We were sort of selling to, like, you know, our mums would get some stuff and then our friends and and then friends and friends. friends. It's actually really cool when an order comes through and you're like, I don't know this person. Do you know this person? (laughs) (laughs) And now now that's, you know, we see that every day, but that that is so exciting in in, in the early stages of your business. And, of course, we've had influencers and ambassadors that have helped us along the way, but, yes, it was very organic. The product does tend to sell itself. Like you can say to people, oh, we've got this great product, come and buy it, come and buy it. And they're like, well, okay, yes, so is every other product. But the best, I guess, what we experienced was um, someone would meet a friend and then who hadn't seen for a while and say, what have you done with your skin? Have you had a facial? You look Mm -hmm. so great. And it's, oh, I'm using these products. And then we'd have a new customer. Yeah. So they sort of the products sold themselves. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, yeah. word of mouth is huge. And I shared this story with Megan, actually, but we went away to Aldinga for the Easter weekend. And as a thank you to the lady who had loaned us her house, um, my mother-in-law said, oh, well, why don't we give her um, this cosmetic gift? Um, there's this brand that she really, really likes. It's called Megan, Megan Potter. And I just about like jumped over the table and I was like, I know that. I literally just, I literally just met. Like you met you a few days before, and I was so excited. And, and I, I, I don't know if she knows you at all, but she's obviously again through word of mouth got hold of your products. And yeah, it was just so awesome to be like, I know her. And um, so yeah, that that is really exciting. And just to go back to the point that you were saying, like you know, I'm not a mum, but gosh, I can really, really appreciate and have so much respect for um, for mums who who are working and raising kids because. Work is hard and raising kids are hard and you're doing both at the same time and you're just doing it so exceptionally well. What would some tips be that you would give to mothers who are running businesses and and how to kind of balance that work-life situation? What are some of your, your hacks for being a mumpreneur? Mm, that's a tough one. I, I would say um, you sometimes you have to choose between earning more money and then getting someone else to come and do that work for you. Mm. Um, so we, a lot of people would say to, to myself, even to my husband, oh, yeah, your wife must work 60 hours a week because she's got her own business. Like, yeah, no, she doesn't do it that way. So we work the mm. hours that we want to work and when we want to work. So some weeks we don't add it up, but we might you know, work whatever it is, 40 or 45 hours, and others it might be 20. Mm. So we work the hours that fit in and then we've employed someone um, part-time, permanent part-time. Yeah. These hours vary from half-time to full-time depending on how busy it is. So I think that's, you, I guess, what what are you trying to get out of it? Are you trying to earn as much money as you possibly can mm-hmm. or is it about enjoying the work and maybe having a more modest income and employing other people to come and help out so that you're not working that yeah yeah Yeah. I think that's a really good point because I think 
like me being a business owner myself, I feel like I constantly have, and I'm just that sort of person, I feel like I constantly have to be maximizing my time and I have to be working all hours all the time and I have to always be on. But the reality is that there's certain times of the day where you can get the best out of yourself. And if you don't take those breaks or, you know, fulfill some of your other responsibilities, like doing your laundry or doing, you know, cooking yourself a meal, then your work does start to, to, to fall to shit sometimes. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so, you know, I, I'm, I, I love the fact that you're just so open to that flexibility and that you haven't let your, um, your brand or your work consume you because I know that I'm guilty of that and maybe I can afford to be sometimes because I don't have kids, but I've had to learn the hard way to really just go, I don't have to work 50 million hours every week and I can yeah. take a break and I can choose when I want to work because that was the whole reason I started my business in the first place. So mm-hmm. that self-awareness, yeah. like... That's a really good tip to give to people from the outset is that you don't have to like just go crazy all the time because you'll just burn out. Yes, that's right. And you really have to listen to yourself. I know when I get really run down, I get tonsillitis. And touch wood, I haven't had it lately because I've learned to listen to my body. I'm like, okay, I'm working too much. I'm staying up too late, drinking too much. Um, I need to slow down. We all all do that. (laughs) Yeah, I just have to like, okay, I need to slow down spend some more time with my kids I'm going to finish early today because I need to and I've yeah we've gotten better at doing that haven't we yeah mm. it's definitely a habit you have to build because it doesn't come naturally to me to stop my like my yeah. and neither does it to my family like we all have we're all like high functioning anxious people so we just like we just keep going but you can build those habits you've just got to be really strict with yourself which um which can be challenging so that yeah that's, yeah. that's really good advice so, I mean, like any business, you, you've had, you know, this amazing growth and this amazing success, but with, with that also comes challenges. So, like, what have been your, the biggest challenges that you've, that you've faced and how have you overcome them? Uh, COVID is, has been challenging. I think when COVID first started in 2020, everyone was super excited to shop online. So we actually benefited from that. Everyone's like, oh, wow, we're locked up at home and we need, we want to spend our money. This is fun, getting deliveries at home. So we- and the Australian made craze, which I think is probably softening a little bit now, but everyone suddenly is going, oh, I want everything made in Australia. Yes. So yeah. Australian made. Yes. But yeah. then the second year of COVID, people were, um, you know, trying not to spend as much money. Uh, yeah. we And it was tricky. Supply chain issues came into it. Um, yeah, finding ingredients, you know, if they happen to be on the other side of the world instead of taking six weeks to get here, they were taking six months to get here. So that that was challenging, navigating that. that was, that's one thing anyway. Yeah. And did you find that that just corrected itself as, as COVID sort of? Well, it also, and it also became normal. Like you're just like, yep, okay, that's how long things take now. Yep, that's how long. You just pivot and adjust. Yeah, it's like, normal and, and everybody is experiencing that and... Yeah, and especially like Australia Post when we know they were struggling with getting everyone's orders out. It's like, yeah, that's normal. That's the new normal. People know that things take a long time now. But that sort of finished now, but it just was became the norm. I think too that we um, when we first started, we thought we'd I guess we didn't have certain skills, so we would pay for a graphic artist, we pay for professional photography, and now that there's with you and three of us, we looked at what skills we have and we we we've retrained, we've trained ourselves to learn Adobe Illustrator so we don't need to pay a graphic artist anymore. And yeah, which also helps. That's my job now. That's yeah. Megan's job. And um, and she works with us 
just happens to love photography. And I was like, her hobby is like, great. So can you learn some editing stuff that she's still in the process of doing yes. and do all our photos? And she's so talented. I was like, oh, great. Yes. And then you, you've you gone back to the books I've, as well. I've gone back. So I'm studying to become um, a cosmetic chemist so like with, with organic formulation just to, you know, make it extra challenging because I felt like, yeah, my skill set had stopped and I needed to learn mm. more. So we're all learning new things and in that way, not having to pay, I don't have to pay an industrial chemist now for certain things I can do myself. and Got to adapt. Got to adapt. Yeah. I feel like that's a real trait of um, an entrepreneur and a successful entrepreneur because I'm always wanting to learn new things. I do not settle. And I think because of my industry being in digital marketing, which is always changing, although all industries are always changing, um, that desire to upskill yourself and to be self-sufficient is something that is just something that if you don't have that ability you might not be a very good entrepreneur so and then I think also like adjusting and pivoting when things aren't going well um, is something that's really good a good lesson to learn early on in the journey I guess because when you're in a position like that you go we got through it back then and we're going to get through it now so I think self-sufficiency and building those skills and learning to adapt and pivot are all three really really important challenges that all businesses should sort of go through and then you know yeah, move, yes, move through it. Pivot is the word, isn't it? Yeah. Everyone's pivoting. You yes. know what we, we did, I just remember, is like you'd have your normal sales that you expect, but because they're delayed, say, you know, you know, it might be an ingredient that you couldn't get or some packaging or even mailing boxes or something, we'd have a list on the whiteboard of what we call quickies. So, mm-hmm. so okay, we we're going to release that and sell that, but the income's not coming in for that because of these reasons. So I said, like, okay, this month, what's on our quickies list? All right, what can we do? What promotion can we have to sell something to generate income to fill those gaps? To fill that gap, yeah, great. Yeah. Like the care, for example, was supposed to be here in September, and then it didn't come till January, I think. So that was that was a huge gap where we were expecting to be earning income on hair care, and we didn't have it here to sell. So it's like, okay, what can we do instead? Yeah, yeah, really yeah, that's great. Plan and changing the plan yeah and I, I obviously every businessman wants things to go smoothly all the time but I have to say I do revel in a bit of a challenge um because I, I quite like um not that I create my own fires but I do quite like firefighting so when something's gone down I get into like savior mode and I'm like okay well this is a solution this is what we're going to do and I, and I, and I, just, I really enjoy it so <laughs> I don't yeah, well I don't welcome shit to hit the fan but when it does I'm happy to clean it up <laughs> That's sort of like as a business owner, that's sort of what you do, isn't it? I've been dealing with a manufacturer at the moment and she said, um, she referred to what we were talking about as a complaint that I was making. I'm like, no, no, not making a complaint, just seeing something that needs a solution. Yes. You know, just part of business is just there's an issue and we need to solve it. That's all it is. I'm not complaining. Yeah. It's just part of business. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I've definitely got better at also being a bit of business person because um, I'm awfully, awfully nice. And that doesn't always, um, I'm, I'm still nice, but you have to learn how to also be firm in business, which is something that doesn't come very naturally to me. So, you know, things like chasing money and all sorts of things, mm-hmm. I've had to learn how to be, how to take Chanel out of that and just think like a business person. So, um, it's so a bit more affirmative. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so I think one of the things that took me when I met you guys and I saw your brand was I was like, geez, these girls are brave because like launching a beauty brand is massive it's so competitive and it's so right to, it's so difficult to get it right um 
like what advice would you give to someone who's trying to start a beauty brand and you don't have to give your deepest darkest secrets but if someone is eager to create something as amazing as what you've created you know what would you say to them hopefully not don't do it <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just a very big big market yeah um so there's probably there's room for a lot of little players in this very big market i mean there really there are two huge um cosmetic companies globally and then lots of smaller people two you mm. know two parent companies that own lots and lots and lots of brands um you have to think about how you are going to stand out, how are you going to differentiate your product so that, yeah, otherwise people will think, well, why should I buy you versus them? So are you going to do it just on price? Well, if you do that, that's really hard because mm, you how are you going to compete with those with a big ones? brand who could just cut underneath? Um, and who, yeah, who are you going to sell to? So I think that that would be how, we, how are you going to be different to everyone else? Yeah. And what are some of the what are some of your like ultimate unique selling points that you like to share with people that encourage guess, them to choose you? But with our certainly our skincare and our hair care, we are um, we've always loved organic and natural, but we're moving towards having everything under the Megan Potter brand certified organic. So um, that means that every ingredient is um, guaranteed to be renewable and sustainable. So mm-hmm. there's a lovely ethic behind that um, that goes, that's a glo- it's really it's a certified organics, a global community where globally farms, farmers, manufacturers, producers are all audited every year independently and they check for things like has the land that the crops are being grown on being purchased ethically from someone who was willing to sell. So mm. no deforestation, no children working on that property. The, the labourers are paid a fair wage. Um, the, the harvesting is done at the right time of year so the plants contain the nutrients and the, the natural benefits that we want them to. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of um, faux uh, pro- natural products out there that, you know, we consumers probably wouldn't know about. But you're buying argan oil. Was, was that argan harvested at the right time of year at the plant's right maturity so that it had the antibacterial and the vitamin a b c d and all those beautiful things in it, antioxidant rich that we want or was it harvested very young on a you know you know like a mass produced mm-hmm. um it, situation where it, it's, it's like almost like a faux product yeah Does that makes sense almost yeah. greenwashing a lot of people mm, just think exactly. certified organic means pesticide free but it means so it's much more mm. um and it's yeah it's that guarantee of all those things and we're yeah. finding that sustainability and things that are renewable are you, you know that sort of bit of a buzz at the moment mm. yeah even things like your ingredients that um have to be you know processed to a certain extent the level of processing has to be minimal um yeah Chemicals that are used have to be certain quality. There can't be admissions released um, when they when they are processed. So it's very it's very strict and it's very holistic. Mm. So when you buy certified organic, you're getting I guess everything you want in the, in that product from from a farm to your bathroom. It's holistic. Mm. So you and know when you're paying that money, you know what you're getting is exactly what it what it says it is and it will do what it says it's going to do and it's wonderful that we've made that shift um and i know that we've still got a lot of work to do or you know most certainly the bigger the bigger corporations who can hide behind whatever they hide behind that they're not accountable for making sure things are produced ethically um but i think you know brands owe it to the consumer to produce products that are going to be good for them and that are sourced ethically to give them the peace of mind that they need to know that they're supporting a business that's not doing harm to the planet and i think that that is 
really, really important. And that's something that's very important to me. And I will spend more money to buy a product that is certified organic because I want to sleep at night knowing that I, um, you know, I'm, I'm doing the right thing. And so I think that it's it's great that you guys are are offering a brand that gives people that that peace of mind to have beautiful skin and sleep well at night. So I think that that's awesome. Um, we can sleep well at night too, knowing that we're offering products that are ethical. We're not yes. just vlogging something that's um, pretty packaging. And yeah, we we know that we're offering the best, and yeah, and that it's good for everyone and the environment. Mm. Brilliant. It's awesome. Now, um, before we started recording this interview, um, you said something very funny about your tagline around testing your product. So um, me not being in the beauty industry, obviously, I don't know how things are tested. Um, I obviously know that cruelty-free means are not tested on animals. So I was interested to know, well, how do you test your products? Um, and then Mandy said... Well, if, if you can buy a product in Australia from your normal places, your supermarket, your chemist, your department store. Or online. Or online. Um, it, it is cruelty-free. The law states that it has to. You can't sell a product in Australia, a cosmetic product, that has been tested on animals, and most countries are the same. There's only a few examples globally where they still have animal testing. Um, there's legislation that just prevents um, you, people from selling or testing on animals and have been for over a decade. So when a brand, when their only claim to differentiate their product from, a, from another brand is we're cruelty-free, it's like, well, yeah, you have to be, and we yeah. all are. Um, we, we, we still put it on our website because it's what customers want because people... I look for it, especially, yeah. Yeah, people, even the younger generation don't realise, in your whole, like, you've never been able to buy anything that's tested on animals, and that people that are a bit older remember brands like when the body shop started I guess was that the 80s or the 90s and they were like we don't test on animals because you know in the UK when they started they were still testing on animals Mm. but they don't now yeah so a lot of my ingredients that are in your um, personal care products have been tested on animals decades and decades ago so Mm. we don't need to do that again yeah and I guess chemistry has come such a long way that now we do testing we can test on human skin cells in the laboratory so we can essentially grow um, be something that's similar to the tissue in your eyeball and we can put <laughs> ingredients and yeah. finished product in that and test it in the lab and see if there's a reaction. And then we just test it on ourselves. We like to say it's tested on, not tested on animals, tested on party animals. Um, I love all that. Like when, we, when we come up with the product and we think we're happy with it, we're like, and try this, mum, try this, like, let us know what you think yeah. and the industry is very regulated so we by law cannot put high levels of ingredients that will cause a reaction mm. um so if there's a say i want to use a um a preservative that you know kills bacteria and fungus and mold i can check um safety data sheets i can check um australian websites government websites that will have regulations around that they often they classify as poisons mm-hmm. how much i can use so i might only be able to use 0.05 percent in a leave-in product or 0.8 percent in a wash of product like your shampoos and your body washes so all of these ingredients and materials are heavily regulated to keep everyone safe yeah, yeah. we don't need to do that we know how much to, to put in and not to put in and hmm no that's 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 amazing and um it's good it's good to know because I don't think I realized that it was 
you know, every product, every product in Australia had to be cruelty free. I didn't know that. I thought that there was because you can still go into like Mecca and I'll say, where's your cruelty free makeup? And they're like, oh, that one and that one. They don't always, say all of it. Always, yes. <laughs> so, so that's good to know because I think uh, maybe they're just pointing me in the most expensive direction. But, um, you know, that's, oh, I think what they're doing is they're pointing at the brands that have paid money for the jumping rabbit license. I think so. Yeah, yeah. And it is. It's a cute. It's a cute bloody rabbit. You know, why not? Yeah. Why not have it on your on your um on your your product? So um, I've got two more questions for you. The first one is, what has been your most valuable lesson that you've learned in business? Oh, to be, I guess to, to be flexible and just adapt. Adapt, pivot, um, know that like we have this running sheet that we that we have on our Google Drive. It's called the 90-day plan. And it's basically what we plan to do in the next 90 days and 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 beyond that. And it's it's not just a plan that's just, you know, a segment plan that this, okay, this is what we're doing in the next 90 days. It's like literally we're in there every single day pretty much yeah, so changing that, that plan because it stems from our business plan that I update well last year I had to update it in July but usually it's around that's what I do in the Christmas break the 90-day plan for the year yeah and then there are in there and then they get broken down into tasks that then end up being broken down into the 90-day plan and then I'll put this week I'm doing that this week and then yeah. it all feeds into that and then and then it changes all the time according to income that we need to generate or a holiday that we want to go on so we're taking time off or you know kids whatever it's yes yeah you know know you're on track and you're going to hit that those goals and yes even like you know i call it the pub the pub test rules we (laughs) we're like okay what what's the you know around branding what what um does this new idea of mine fit our you know our our brand Mm -hmm. we don't need to you know brainstorm was like oh let's check the list yeah it doesn't because of this reason yep yeah I love it I love the 90-day plan because I think that so many businesses think that when they come up with a business plan um, and my business grew very organically that I don't think I ever sat down and came up with a business plan it just happened but a lot of businesses sit down and they think like I've got to make this like 100 million page plan of what I need to do and, and, and blah, blah, blah. And while I'm sure that's useful, the reality is that so many things change so quickly in business that just taking 90 days at a time is a really good idea. And we do that on our end as well. So, I mean, constantly check in and then we move, we reprioritize the things that we are focused on, you know, based on what the demand is from our customers or where we need to generate more revenue. So I think that that's a really good, um, a really good tip is just to, to pivot and just move in small increments rather than trying to like take on the world with this massive like two-year plan because so much can change and you're going to have to pivot anyway. So, so I think that, that that's a really, really good point. Um, I'm a big fan of um, the Graham Norton show and I love the red chair and I was actually on the red chair on the Graham Norton show. My thing didn't get aired, unfortunately, um, but I was on the show um, and I got flipped. So my story was obviously um, was not was not very good. Um, And it is related to the beauty industry, actually, because I was out at a pub um, when I was much, much younger and um, I was chatting to this guy at the bar and um, I thought, oh, I'm going to like make my lips look really, really lovely and so seductible that he's going to want to give me a smooch. And so I took out my lip gloss and I smeared it all over my mouth. And then he sort of looked at me in horror and then walked away. And then I thought, oh, I thought that was going really well. And then turned to my friend and she said, what the F have you just done? And I had put mascara on my lips instead of, instead of lip gloss. I thought that story was hilarious. 
but Graham Norton didn't, and he tipped me. But that is my lead into, um, do you have a really funny story from a time in your business that you can think of that you would like to share? Funny story. Funny story. That's hard. That is hard. I, I can tell you a fun fact, and it's a little bit naughty. Okay. Yes. Okay. I love fun facts um, that are naughty. Go for it. Is this about the cleansing oil? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, our organic gentle cleansing oil, so, you know, you wash your face with it, um, has a, um, a secondary use and it can be used as a personal lubricant. And oh, our, that is fun. Sex oil and our, our customers love it for that. Um, I love it for that too. So um, that, is, that is a great unique selling point. Is this the same oil that you put on your salad in one of your reels? Yes, yes. Because we were, yes. it was almost like a job. We should make a sex. Oh, yeah. And then I looked into the formulation. I said, yeah, I've already made that. That's the cleansing oil. Like, it's not, that's, it's perfect for. Internal. So then we thought, then we thought we better test it out. So we did. And we're like, yeah, it's <laughs> good. <laughs> oh my God, that's amazing. Ladies, if you have not tried the cleansing oil, definitely go and check it out because you can put it on your, your, your salad, your face, and your hoo hoo. Yeah, it's not compatible with condoms, obviously, because yeah, yeah, it's oil-based. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, okay. That's brilliant. I love that. Thank you for sharing. That is a brilliant, fun fact. Um, and not, not too naughty, not too naughty. Um, cool. Well, ladies, thank you so much for your time. It was such a pleasure to speak to you both. You're really such an inspiration to mumpreneurs, business owners, and people who are looking to build a brand as beautiful as yours is. So um, thank you so much, and um, have a lovely day, and we will talk to you soon. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Sunshine Podcast for Women in Business. If you did, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can also share this episode with a biz bestie who needs to hear it.